You're listening to The RN Mentor, a podcast designed to document and bring you the work and experience of some of the most influential nurses in our profession. We will be sitting down and having a discussion with the leaders of today's nursing world as they share their work, how they navigate their nursing path, and their views on the future of the profession. My name is Ali Tayeb. I am a registered nurse, United States Navy veteran, a Jonas Veterans Healthcare Scholar, and your host for The RN Mentor. Welcome to another episode of the RN Mentor Podcast. I am uh, greatly honored today to be joined by Elizabeth Murray. Uh, She is a legal nurse consultant providing expert analysis of standard of care in health law issues for the Executive Office for the United States Attorneys and is the owner of Elizabeth Murray Consulting LLC. Um, She is a former U.S. Army officer and has extensive experience in adult and pediatric critical care and emergency nursing. She has been working in the legal nurse consulting field for 17 years, primarily in medical malpractice, personal injury, mass torts, and long-term care litigation. She served on the the Department of Justice 9-11 Victim Compensation Fund early in her career as a legal nurse consultant. She is a past president of the American Association of Legal Nurse Consultants after serving on the board of directors for six years and a vice chair for the American Bar Association Health Law Section in Nursing and Allied Healthcare Professional Task Force. Elizabeth serves on the editorial board of the Journal of Legal Nurse Consulting, where she authors and coordinates appropriate manuscripts for the journal and is a peer reviewer for all submitted articles. Elizabeth has served as an item writer and subject matter expert for the American Legal Nurse Consultant Certification Board since 2014, helping to create a nursing board certification in legal nurse consulting and set the standards to pass the examination. Welcome to the show, Elizabeth. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. So great to uh, have you on the show. Uh, I The only legal connection I have is my sister-in-law and my brother-in-law are both in the, are, are, are both uh, lawyers and, and, and uh, my brother-in-law is actually a judge. Um, uh, but I've always been fascinated with, uh, with the whole nurse consultant piece uh, because I think it's such a powerful role to have uh, in advocating. Uh, and that's kind of what we do as nurses. So uh, before we get into all the legal stuff, uh, can you share with me how you got into the world of nursing and um, and how did you eventually pr- produce the work that you're doing now? And how did you end up uh, with the company that you started? Well, sure. I'll have to go back a ways to tell you how I got into <laughs> nursing, uh, but it all started uh, with uh, an RTC nursing scholarship uh, for uh, Army nursing, and I went to Seattle University, uh, which produces a lot of Army nurses, actually, and uh, I came from the Midwest, so coming to Seattle, where everything was green all year round, uh, was very exciting, and uh, Seattle University just has a wonderful nursing school. I 
got my bachelor's uh, of science in nursing there and went on to be an army officer in the army nurse corps where I was stationed at Walter Reed, uh, the old Walter Reed here in DC and uh, started on a medical surgical floor and it was actually the largest uh, medical surgical floor in the army at the time. I don't know if that's still true, but it was 75 beds uh, wow. teaching hospital. And uh, I, this is an appropriate time uh, now that we're recording this in August uh, and all the new interns are coming and new residents, uh, you know, you start and about three months into my time as a nurse, uh, all of a sudden, all the new interns and residents were coming and um, there was someone newer than me. So uh, <laughs> uh, I know that you are also uh, a veteran. So it's an interesting uh, and very different experience to be in a teaching hospital as an army officer, because as uh, a nurse, you sometimes outrank some of your uh, other peers, like your physician peers that are just now coming on. It gives sort of a different uh, ring to the whole teaching hospital aspect, but I loved it. And uh, I really did miss it once I got out um, and I was uh, working in hospitals here in the DC metro region. Yeah, it, it, it is a really different atmosphere. I was, I was in the Navy, I was a Navy corpsman actually. So I worked with many nurses uh, in my first, uh, well, throughout my career, but primarily my first year and a half, I was stationed at the Naval Medical Center in San Diego. Hmm. Uh, and it is a very different atmosphere uh, looking at the structure and how everything works versus uh, how it everything works on the civilian side. We did have some civilians that also worked on the unit, but, uh, but you know, uh, I don't think there was a, I think it's just a whole different culture uh, within, within, within the military uh, hospital structure. I do too. It was so collegial and I've experienced that same collegial atmosphere, you know, at civilian hospitals, but there's just something really special about uh, that military collegial atmosphere. And uh, I learned so much in medical surgical nursing. I know that I hear this question a lot and a lot of people, uh, new grads ask me, is it important to work in med surge? And some people are die hard. You have to start in med surge. I've known a lot of nurses that didn't start in med surge and they've had very successful and happy careers. But I just learned so much in that year of med surge. I felt like a real expert on, yeah. you know, getting a new diabetic in or, you know, just, you just see so many crazy things every single day that within a year, you feel like you've seen it all. I know you've never seen it all, but you know, it really did help me going into the ICU. And I don't know how I could have gone into the ICU as successfully as I did uh, without that strong med surge background. So yeah. Uh, I did go to the uh, army ICU course, and then I worked in an adult medical ICU that was also uh, a pediatric medical and surgical ICU. That's kind of the way they organized it. And so uh, you wouldn't have both pediatric and adult patients on the same day, but you were kind of tasked to one, one or the other each day. So, yeah, that's one of the things I wish we had more of uh, in the civilian side was formal courses for people to easily transition from like med search to any other specialty or from whatever to, you know, let's say they want to go to ICU to, um, I don't, let's say uh, they want to go to like labor and delivery, for example, which is sort of a completely different world. But I wish <clears throat> there was more formal courses. I know hospitals have some, some uh, training that, that they incorporate, but I wish there were formal courses where people can just go to the course, be trained as an, as a, 
specialty and have that specialty under their belt where they can apply. Uh, and I think so many facilities don't have that transition that easily happens. I used to be kind of in the, of the mindset where my, student, my students would say, where should I go? I would say, oh, you, need, you should do med search because it gives you a strong foundation. But because I've seen so many nurses struggle in transitioning into any other level of care, now I tell my students, go, go to your specialty, go right away to your specialty, because I think it's difficult to making that transition. So I wish more places had that kind of a formal training where you can just easily transition into a, a different, uh, different specialty area. So yeah, I absolutely agree. Certainly. And we had a really strong uh, preceptorship program too. And then, you know, once you've been there for a while, you're a preceptor yourself, but that course really prepared me for once I had enough experience taking the CCRN because it was, uh, um, you know, just a very uh, uh, good atmosphere where it was full-time academic studying everything in the ICU. Right. They really prepare you. They really prepare you. So you're ready for that transition. So, yeah, I agree. Um, so when you um, so um, and thank you for your service. I, I, I didn't mention it before. So thank you for doing that. I've actually had a few guests that have had a military background. Um, uh, we need to see, I think, more more of that, more of that transition uh, into leadership positions. Um, so you transitioned into the civilian world. Um, how was that transition for you? And uh, how did you, uh, from, a, from, a, from, from somebody who's still, I still, I still people, I'm still in the process. I've been out 20 years, but I still say, I'm still, in, I'm still transitioning uh, into the civilian world. Uh, how was that transition for you? And uh, how did you uh, uh, find your way in the civilian community as a nurse? Well, you know, it's interesting. Uh, I was really tired when I got out. <laughs> As I think a lot of people are, you know, uh, we had military and civilian nurses, the military nurses frequently filled in the gaps. So I had gone several years in a row with, you know, working a day shift, then working a night shift, then working an evening shift, uh, switching all the time and uh, a lot of things about living in DC at that time, September 11th, and there were snipers and, you know, there were all kinds of crazy things the whole time I was on active duty here. And uh, they told us to wear your uniform to work. Then they said, don't wear your uniform to work. It's dangerous. You know, uh, I went through, um, such an intense period of being a nurse. And when I got out, I really wanted to try a lot of new things Mm -hmm. and I kind of wanted a little bit of a break too. And so what I did was I joined a contract agency and then I just tried to work all over in as many hospitals and settings as I could in Northern Virginia and DC to sort of see, is the ICU where I want to stay? Do I want to try some new things? And, uh, you know, it's easy as a contract nurse, you can just say, I can work this shift on this date in the Georgetown, you know, CCU or something. And they'll say, great, we'll take you. And so you get to kind of call your own shots a little more. But after I had worked in a lot of different ICUs, uh, I told my contract agency, you know, I'm really just interested in anything interesting you have. Can you just call me (laughs) anytime (laughs) anything weird comes up or, you know, just any little niche thing. I I just want to try it. And so I just had all these little stints of, I would do, uh, I would go to the social security administration and do, uh, their employment, uh, occupational health for a week. I would, uh, go to the girl scout camp out in Leesburg and spend the night and give the girls all their allergy medicine. You know, I would, uh, I would, uh, 
go give shots to linguists that were about to be deployed to Afghanistan. You know, um, I just would do almost anything. And so they actually really appreciated the fact that I would take almost any job, but I also enjoyed just having something different every day, you know, um, sort of sliding into different niche careers of, of nursing and just sort of getting to try them for a week or two. Uh, and if I didn't like it, I would say, please don't ever call me for that one again. Or, you know, if I loved it, I would say every time they need someone, please call me. And so um, for a little while, I just did a lot of different things. And I worked in almost every hospital. Of course, I had, you know, a few ICUs and a few hospitals that were my go-tos that I was working in all the time because those little interesting jobs don't come up all that often. Right. Um, but I just got to experience a lot of different roles. And I think that actually helps me a lot in my day-to-day -day now because so many of my cases just, uh, there's no one area you know, that I work in and almost every case is unique. And so I have a lot of those experiences that I think about a lot when I, when I take on cases now. But uh, I started a family around that time and uh, my mother-in-law, Marty Murray, is a legal nurse consultant in Tacoma, Washington. Oh, nice. And she also was in risk management uh, for uh, a major hospital system out in the Northwest. And uh, when I was on uh, maternity leave with my first son, uh, she had more work than she could handle. And she asked me if she could send me a big box of uh, unorganized records prior to electronic health records and asked me to just make a chronology of congestive heart failure symptoms that this patient had had over a period of years to his primary care that never got picked up. And I kind of got the bug after that. I loved it. It was, it was something really interesting. It was a way that I could still use all the nursing knowledge in my head uh, to, you know, help advocate for patients, like you said, to help standard of care in hospitals, uh, uh, to help people that had gone through uh, negligence or to help doctors and nurses and facilities uh, defend themselves against uh, accusations of negligence when perhaps it's just a bad outcome and, and no negligence is to blame. And uh, so, so she would give me little uh, cases here and there when my kids were young and I would try those. At that time, I was still working uh, in nursing clinically at the bedside. And uh, it was uh, a few years after that, that I was offered the position at the Department of Justice doing the 9-11 Victims Compensation Fund, which was, I believe I was the only nurse and um, the rest of the whole group was attorneys. Wow. We helped build the claim system for the second claim fund uh, that was more focused on, you know, lung cancer and uh, GI tract disorders. And that, that fund is still going on actually. And uh, I really enjoyed that work going into an office. I had never had my home office, but I'd never uh, had a chance to sit all day, <laughs> which I thought was going to be awesome. And it turns out it's not as fun as you would think, you know, a day <laughs> after day at the, at the bedside, you always think, oh, if I could just sit for five minutes, you know. Um, but then I found out that maybe uh, a standing desk is for me. I'm glad that I have my standing desk now because uh, it turns out I don't really want to sit all day and <laughs> body doesn't like it either. Um, but about the time that I was working for the Justice Department was when my own business just started booming. And so I was working all day at Justice and then all night and on the weekends on my own cases. And about that time, my husband said, you know, I think you probably could make the jump 
to just taking your own cases and having your own business. And it's a terrifying jump to make, you know, to, to quit a job that's uh, regular pay and great benefits and, uh, and jump into this world where you're working for yourself, but uh, I've never looked back. So uh, that was in 2012, I believe. Wow, that's amazing. Um, now, I know you had experience going into, uh, or, you know, uh, you, yeah, you had experience going into legal nurse consulting, uh, but what was that transition into like the business component of it? Because that's, that's a skill set of its own. Uh, that now you have to, you know, when you depend on something like that as a source of income and you have to generate revenue for your, for your income, how is that transition? Because it's one thing, again, to do things on the side, but how, how is that? How, what was the business aspect of this like? Well, I learned a lot uh, by trial and error. Uh, I've always liked doing our taxes. So I've always kind of been a little on the business side of, of our own family's finances. And uh, I did learn a lot. I had to read a lot. Uh, I had to, um, you know, talk to other people that had their own business and ask them, you know, what kinds of processes they use. Uh, uh, I kept everything very organized here in Virginia. It's pretty easy to get a limited liability corporation. So I set that up. You know, I think as nurses, we're always very, very aware of insurance needs and whether or not our facilities have insurance for us or if we have extra insurance. I made sure that I had plenty of insurance coverage because here I was reading <laughs> reports of nurses and doctors getting sued. And so right. I uh, made sure that I was covered uh, on my business side with good uh, insurance. I have um, NSO um, covers a lot of legal nurse consultants. And uh, yeah, just a lot of trial and error. I can't say that I probably did everything perfectly from the beginning. I've learned a lot over the years. Uh, and I also, one thing that really helped was a lot of my work I got at the beginning was subcontracting through other legal, legal nurse consultants. And so basically you're helping them with their work. Uh, they're the ones sort of uh, generating the clients and, and getting the work in, and then you're just workhorsing all the reports. But at the same time, you're gaining mentorship from them, hearing how they're managing their business, managing their employees, um, managing the pay and keeping the clients happy, uh, you know, uh, charging enough for what we're worth, but also uh, making sure the clients feel like they're getting, you know, their money's worth and that they're they always like to feel like they're getting a good deal too. And so right. um, there's a lot of balance there. Yeah. That's one of the biggest things like uh, I've had, I've had like uh, speaking engagements or, you know, I, I do a lot of like sketch doodling or sketch noting. Um, uh, and uh, over the last year, it's, some people have actually approached me and said, how much do you charge to do this? And I'm like, I have no idea. Only it was, it's only been recently that I actually put a, number to the work I do. And as nurses, I think in general, we're not good at putting a, putting a price as to what we contribute. Right. And I think that's so important that we, it's a skill set. Like we don't, we don't really teach at any point in, I don't think in anything we do uh, a skill set of what you should be charging or uh, for services, whether it's a, it's a presentation or if it's a skill set or whatever it is, we're, we're just, uh, we don't teach that. And I think 
I think we should. I mean, that's one of those things that's, I mean, thankfully you had, you had mentors that were able to kind of uh, show you so that the pathway that they did, I'm sure they, they had some trial and error in their process as well. Uh, but it's great that you had that ability to tap into those individuals. You know, and it's interesting with legal nurse consulting too, there are all these preconceived ideas of how much a legal nurse makes because there are a lot of for-profit education for legal nurse consultants that uh, advertise a lot in mm. nursing magazines and journals and they kind of advertise, you know, make big bucks, you know, quit your nursing job and um, make all this money per hour. And sometimes that uh, does a disservice to nurses trying to get into the industry because it might set uh, uh, their expectations in a way that uh, might not happen right away, especially when they're just getting into the to the field. And a lot of people call me and ask, how much should I charge? And of course I can't tell anyone how much they, they should charge, but I like to tell nurses what's, what to expect. And I think what's reasonable to expect starting out in legal nurse consulting is a rate that's uh, at least equivalent to maybe what your specialty was in nursing, at least mm -hmm. here in the DC area. I found that to be very accurate. Uh, it is a specialty nursing job, and the rates are going to be very similar to what you make in your specialty uh, nursing career. Um, then, you know, the rates do go up depending on what you're doing, but you have to think about what it is that you're doing and, and what you're providing, because there's a lot of different ways to be a legal nurse consultant. Um, I've actually heard a lot of your guests talk about being expert witnesses and such subject matter experts. When you're an expert witness, you might review a case for a few hours. And then when it goes to deposition or trial, you're, you're called up. Expert witnesses can charge hundreds of dollars per hour, maybe even thousands of dollars per hour, depending on what your specialty is and if there's anyone else that can testify to that. But you're really only billing for, what are we talking about? Six hours, 12 hours total. Right. You know, whereas someone like me that's on the backside, you know, uh, doing the behind the scenes legal nurse consulting, I might do 60 hours on a case or 80 hours on a case. And so uh, charging what I charge uh, at a minimum for my nursing specialty, that adds up really quickly. And it's actually quite fair, uh, I feel. Yeah. Although I will say that I read a few articles that, you know, uh, there are a lot of women in nursing. And so a lot of the articles about women in business also apply to women in nursing business. And uh, I read an article that said uh, that, women charge, you know, half of what men usually charge. And then I started accepting resumes for a friend of mine that was looking for an expert witness. And all of a sudden I saw all these nurses that I knew and I could see their fee schedule. So I knew what they were making. We had never talked about it before. And then there were about five or 10 men that also applied that I didn't know. And they were all charging at least double. No that the women that I knew that were experienced in the field and well-known in the field were charging. And I just thought, oh my gosh. And uh, it really rang a bell in my head. Like what the heck? And I called those women individually and I was like, you should be charging more. Other people with less experience are charging less, you, you know, are charging more than you. And right. um, I actually doubled my fee at that time. And I was a little scared right, right when I did it the first time I sent out the fee schedule. And uh, I, I got more work than ever once I doubled my fee. So yeah. I think, you know, there is 
in some clients head, they don't want to see an expert that says she's not worth anything. They want to see that you're worth a lot. <laughs> they want to see that you're at least, uh, uh, you know, one of the main experts in that, whatever it is you're, that you're testifying to. And um, part of that is your fee. Right. Right. And, and it's not just, you know, when, as you're talking about it, I've been struggling. I've been, like I said, I've been looking at this for the past year and only until recently, I was able to put a number on paper that I can actually share with people. And uh, it, it was, it was uncomfortable putting that number onto paper. It was really uncomfortable because it's stuff that I normally do for free. Right. But I'm like, but this is taking up a lot of my time. So I need to, I need to charge. I need to just, you know, say it's okay to charge for, for what I'm providing. But at the same time, there are, there, there's also, you know, just because of what I do, uh, like with my students, obviously everything is free. Uh, with any of my students that come back to me, everything is free because I'm, I'm helping nurture their careers or, and so forth. And there's a lot of work that I still do for free, uh, but it's because I, I enjoy the work and I think it's worthwhile doing or, or I'm advocating and it's something like that. Um, so yeah, putting those numbers onto paper for things that are not priority for me, but they're skill sets that I have. And the way I kind of justified it to myself is, I not only am I, is it my time that I'm charging for, but it's my education, my expertise, the skill sets, you know, the years of, of experience that I'm bringing to the table, all of those add up to, to that fee. And, and, and you're right, a lot of people provide, uh, provide services and don't charge enough. And I think that, you know, I'm like, no, any other business would have no issues charging why, why, why are we so hesitant to do this? So I think it's, it's a great point. Um, I hundred I, percent I think we need to have some kind of a, like a, like a, I don't know, like a seminar or something on what to charge, be it based on skill set, years of experience or whatever, what have you. Um, so thank you for all this. Um, I want to talk a little bit more about legal nurse consulting. Right. Uh, so if somebody's listening out there and they're looking to get into legal nurse consulting or they're looking to, um, um, you know, just branch out into this arena, uh, what do they need? Uh, what are, you know, what are the skill sets and the qualifications and education that, that nurses need to get into this field? Okay, great. Well, Legal nurse consulting is a nursing specialty recognized by the American Nurses Association. And uh, when new nurses come to me asking, what do I need? I usually tell them, as long as you are a good writer and a good oral communicator, which in almost all cases, nurses are, because you have to be uh, in, our, in our profession in most cases, um, uh, you have everything you need to be a legal nurse consultant. Uh, no one is hiring you to know legalese. They're hiring you to communicate your nursing knowledge and your nursing uh, viewpoint on the case to someone that's not medical. And uh, so in that way, all nurses are ready to do legal nurse consulting in one way or another. Although it does really help to get the experience of knowing um, what the terms are, uh, like you said, some of these business things about taking care of yourself and making sure there's a contract in place and making sure, you know, that you've uh, communicated expectations and uh, your fee schedule and things like that. But all nurses have the knowledge that they need to be a legal nurse consultant right now. You have it in your head already. And um, so what I like to tell people is to just start trying new things 
And nurses are very good at starting with their nonprofit professional association. And of course, that's where I started um, trying to research this career. There were so many, uh, like I said, ads out there that were uh, showing different educational ways that you could get started. And so I went to my nonprofit professional association and that's AALNC in, for legal nurse consultants. And um, they have courses, they have, uh, you know, conferences um, where you can meet other legal nurse consultants and uh, hook up with people that could be your mentors or at least your peers when you're working in your basement. You know, everybody since 2020 has been working in their basement, but I'm the original person <laughs> that worked, worked in her basement. And it's fun, you know, for me uh, to do that, to just focus on the work, but you do need people that you can call and just bounce ideas off of. And, um, joining your, uh, professional association helps you with that because it gives you basically, uh, a whole set of peers right away to, um, sort of talk to at the water cooler, so to speak, uh, if you need yeah. to. So, um, that's a good way to get started. There's a lot of different ways to be a legal nurse consultant. Like I said, if you're still active clinically, um, expert witness is a great uh, avenue because you don't have to spend a ton of time doing it, but you get to uh, share your expertise and your knowledge. Um, I did a lot of different things at the beginning, but I found that I was really more defense-minded. And so I, I do almost all uh, behind-the-scenes legal nurse consulting, um, merit reviews, and workups of cases that are defense. So, um, and primarily in the past, uh, I don't know, maybe eight years, <clears throat> I've been doing a lot of defense of long-term care, nursing homes, and uh, uh, long-term care facilities. And so, uh, the way I kind of migrated to that was that, you know, there's bad outcomes all the time. We know it as nurses. Um, all of us eventually have a bad outcome <laughs> that we can't avoid. Uh, there's been no human being in the history of time that hasn't eventually gotten to a bad outcome. And some of those are caused by negligence and some of them are not. They're caused by a lot of factors that maybe they got good care and there was still a bad outcome. And so... I felt after a while of doing a lot of different kinds of cases that uh, I was more naturally suited towards uh, defense cases uh, mm. in most cases. And my clients actually really appreciate when they don't have a good case. I'm the first one to say, this doctor messed up, this nurse messed up, this facility's entire process is messed up and uh, there's negligence here. And you know, those insurance carriers and defense attorneys they uh, don't mind hearing that when it's the truth because they don't want to continue defending a case that's not good, you know? Right. Um, so you have to be honest and you have to use a process. And um, uh, I think that legal nurse consulting is such an interesting niche to be in because almost any type of nursing you've done, you can find a way to do legal nurse consulting, you know, for that. Um, I was, I was doing it for a while before I really, uh, it clicked in me why nurses are so good at this and, and what they need from us. And it's part, uh, part of using the nursing process um, that the nurses use every day in clinical and bedside. When you bring that nursing process to this, 
um, it's unique and there's no one else in the law field that can do that. And uh, that clicked with me when I was working for um, quite a few years with uh, a mentor of mine, Alicia Davis, and she had us do all our cases using AdPi. I don't no. know if that do, do nurses still use AdPi or am I dating myself? There, there's still some 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 schools that use AdPi. Okay, well, I'm sure there's other ways of saying it. But, you know, it's a good way of setting up your report, and it always really holds up in uh, cases that go to trial. You you know you look at was the patient assessed? You know, were they diagnosed properly? Uh, was there planning? You know, you look at the care plan, you see were there um, individual uh, things that were put into the care plan that just weren't printed out, you know, that weren't, were for them individually. Um, and then you see how that was implemented, if it was implemented at all. And then you just see that reevaluation because things are, you know, people are going to um, have setbacks in their health, uh, in, especially in uh, nursing homes, which was, a, you know, an area that I did a lot of work in. People it's not a hospital. They're not patients. They're called residents because they live there. It's not, you know, every day is medical. Uh, their, their families bring in big, big sodas for them and big pieces of cake for breakfast sometimes. And, uh, you know, the nurses will say, well, I explained to them, you know, with their diabetic diet, this, this probably isn't the best option, but that's where they live. And they get to pick that sometimes. And sometimes I want a piece of cake for breakfast too. And so, you know, they have to sort of just continually reevaluate and, um, re-implement and redo those care plans. And uh, as long as the staff is doing that, that patient's getting good care and they're getting you know, care that's of the standard because you can't make a patient eat the right thing every single time. You can't make a patient stop smoking if they don't want to. You know, there's, there's some things that you just can't make people do, even though the ICU nurse in me, you know, uh, I love all my uh, lines to be exactly <laughs> right and my patient to be laying perfectly, you know, right in the bed and uh, all the pillows to be, you know, at all the pressure points and everything like that. But real people that are awake and not in a coma uh, don't behave that way. And so right. it's, it's a long process and there's a lot to look at in a case that's two hour, two years long or three years long um, with uh, a decline in health. So right. that was a long, uh, a long, uh, tangent there but <laughs> uh, yeah but I, I want to uh, that was great but I wanted to uh, as you're as you're talking about this because I remember the days of having to handwrite everything uh, in in uh, in the medical records to now that we have switched over to electronic medical records mostly um, how has that changed from your perspective because I know there's a lot of copy and paste there's a lot of click a button everything downloads and there's not that much individualization even though that should be happening uh, how has that impacted um, really uh, uh, I don't want to say how has that impacted your work, but how the, how how has that impacted um, the if we find negligence in nursing or not, or whether they actually did what they had to do because everything is sort of by default now, and we don't document the same way we used to. Yeah, that's a great question. Actually, nobody's ever asked me that surprisingly, and uh, it's really important. And um, I will say, if there's one change I could make to American charting, it's that I would take away the copy and paste. And I know, as a nurse, you need it sometimes because you know you're actually doing patient care and you don't have time to do a lot of charting. But I would rather see a much briefer note or a much briefer assessment that's 
uh, obviously reflective of that day than to see a four paragraph copied and paste HPI from um, you know, the intern and then the resident and then the attending. Um, the copy and paste makes it very difficult in looking at records to determine when a change of condition happened and whether or not uh, you, know, you can trust that provider's judgment in what they assessed that day. And it really makes a lot more of the focus only on maybe that one or two things that were different in the charting that day. Uh, and so it's a, it's a good question. You don't want to overload our, you know, nurses and doctors and physical therapists and speech therapists into needing to chart for hours and hours and hours every day. But that, that copying and pasting just looks so awful, especially when it's been two weeks in the ICU and, you know, every note looks exactly the same from every provider. And, um, so like I said, I would just prefer to see a lot more focused exam uh, that's different from, you know, the, yeah. the exam before it from a different nurse than uh, to see a more detailed exam. Um, it is interesting, though, you know, you would think, oh, well, now that it's electronic, you know, some some attorneys think that their non-medical paralegals can just go through the, the records. And there have been cases where I've been able to show our clients, hey, you really still need a nurse. You might be able to, you know, search for words in this EHR or read it. You know, it's a little more legible. So maybe you understand it a little better, but there's still reasons. And um, one case I had was a, a, a resident in a nursing home was admitted and uh, about a day after she was admitted, she was having difficulty turning in bed and they called 911 and she had a broken hip. Well, nobody at the nursing home had documented a fall. And the case was all based on the fact that they said uh, some provider in that 24 hours had let this resident fall and had not documented it, had just put her back in bed and she had a broken hip and she needed surgery, which got back to the hospital. Well, in going through the records, I requested the hospitalization before she was admitted to the nursing home. And uh, the day she was discharged, I saw in the intern's note uh, in the lung section, in the pulmonary section of the exam, it said, breathing fine, fell last night. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, lungs clear, fell last night or something, and then went on to something else. And I was like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> so, we were able to depose that uh, the nurse from the hospital. And it turns out that the resident had fallen at the hospital, broken her hip, was transferred to the nursing home. And then within 24 hours, you know, they realized that it was right. broken and, and sent back. And so um, uh, a nurse looking at your records is valuable, even when it's very organized, even when it's clicky and, you know, drop down and everything's very clear and legible. Um, it still helps for a nurse to, to look through the records. So um I don't know if that answered your question or not. But it, it, yeah. it did. It did. I mean, we a lot of the things are now charted by exception. So that's why I always know it's easier to just carry things over on the electronic medical records. I know a lot of nurses do it now. It's the expectation. Uh, but I think a lot of things get missed. Uh, a lot of the, um, not, not as far as like, uh, a lot of the work that nursing is doing is getting missed because now it's, it's part of the routine. It's an expectations. We're no longer charting on it or it's defaulting into whatever setting it is. Um, and, and that's why I asked, and I, I used to sit on a, on a code blue 
committee and reviewing charts. And when we switched over to, uh, at one of the facilities I worked at, when we switched over to the electronic medical records, it, the sequence was not right. Uh, like on the on the handwritten, we knew, we saw the sequence perfectly fine, but that's not what was getting charted. At the what was getting charted, the sequence was completely off. Uh, and if that's how they were, and but that's how we were keeping records. So we were comparing the two, and the electronic medical records were not reflecting the actual actions and what sequence they were happening. So the whole thing didn't uh, didn't seem right. And I know there's a lot of issues around that. So that's well, why. I, and if you could see, I think every nurse that's clinical and at the bedside should ask her facility to his or her facility to print out a set of records from one of their patients so they can see what it looks like when the records are delivered in hard copy or on mm. CD. Um, you know, when you're not in your own facilities. Uh, program and you're clicking on all your right tabs, but when you see how it prints out, sometimes it's bonkers the way that it prints out and you really can't see the flow of, you know, if all of your dietary notes are here and then it's all your flow sheets and then it's all the nursing notes and then it's all the operative notes. And then at the very end, you know, your, your discharge is at the beginning with your admission. And um, that's why it's so important for nurses to be a part of this process because part of our educating, you know, our, during our, the course of our process is not just educating our clients um, or educating the attorneys that we're working for uh, and their, the, their clients, but it's also educating juries um, um, and educating, you know, sometimes it's educating the family that wants to sue, but can't really realize that there was no negligence involved. Right. And it's not until a nurse can really show that story after reading the records. Um, and because nurses are such natural educators, that's really what they tend to do in this job. You know, sometimes my clients just want me to explain what is a spinal cord stimulator and why did this person get this? Or, you know, explain something, explain what actually happened to their mother, to a, to a family after looking at the records. And um, that's important in this process too, to make sure that they're not going ahead with cases that maybe shouldn't go ahead and, um, or we're educating on really complicated topics and maybe the best expert in that industry can't really explain in regular language the way nurses do every day with our patients uh, what happened. What, what is the story here? I know we have 5,000 pages of records, but what happened? And right. um, that's what nurses are really good at. That's, that's, that's actually very true. Like I said, uh, it, it's, it's that, it's that linking those sequences, I think is important. And I think it's a, it's an opportunity for nursing to do a lot more of that. Uh, and just educating the community overall uh, with their expertise. Um, now, um, now I know you mentioned the, um, uh, the American Association of Legal Nurse Consultants, uh, which, which isn't, is a, um, what how, if, would that be a good start for somebody looking to get into as a novice, uh, getting into uh, legal nurse consulting? Is that a good place for people to tap into resources or because um, like, like you mentioned, there's a lot of for-profit organizations out there that are that advertise in, in nursing magazines. Mm -hmm. So if somebody's not looking to pay <laughs> to go to Las Vegas for a seminar, uh, how does that happen? Is this, would that be a good place? Yes, yeah, and, and that's a great question because a lot of people have questions about what the educational offerings are and what they actually maybe have already paid for, the letters that they've put after their name and if they're appropriate. 
Uh, and so I do a lot of educating with new legal nurses that call me or, or message me on LinkedIn or uh, Twitter just about the difference between uh, certification and a certificate of uh, completion. Uh, and AALNC does both of those things. They, they do have a, a course for beginners that can be done at their own rate. Um, there's webinars, you know, if you like to do things face-to-face uh, -face or uh, see people and then, you know, there's in-person CE training um, with uh, uh, the conference. And now they have a virtual conference for beginners in the fall. And so, yeah, there's a ton of resources. They're all created by the experts in the industry and they're um, very well-priced. There's also great courses uh, for profit, but you just have to know what it is that you are purchasing. And so right. I'd like to explain it sort of the way, um, you know, I studied for CCRN. So I took a course uh, to be an ICU nurse. And at the end, I received a certificate, but I didn't I didn't put that certificate as my credentials. This, it was right. a certificate of completion for that course. And then I was an entry level ICU nurse. And then with experience and knowledge and time, uh, you know, you can sit for the board and get your board certification, your CCRN. And that is equivalent to the board certification offered by AALNC, which is LNCC, Legal Nurse Consultant Certified. So um, there's a lot of for-profit uh, courses out there that are great content and everything, but they do, some of them do uh, say that you can use the, the certificate as a credential at the end. And, and I don't believe that um, the ABSNC would agree because I think that the, the nursing board certification is the LNCC that you can sit for, but you have to get your initial education somewhere, you know, you kind of have to break in. And so if you have a friend that wants to go to Las Vegas with you and do a week long course, <laughs> that's a great way to start. Or if you want to do, you know, the long course through your uh, professional organization, that's a terrific uh, option as well, because a lot of people are looking, you know, at how much it would cost and how much they, you know, will recoup their, their money. And it's a little hard to break into it at first. I like to tell people it's a pretty small industry. And the more you work, the more you work. And nurses are used to just I mean, nurses are so in demand, you can apply anywhere. Like I said, when I was a contract nurse, I would just say, I'll come to Georgetown on Saturday night. And they'd be like, okay, you know, yeah. that's, that's what it takes to get a job as a clinical nurse. And um, you do have to work and sort of show your, uh, show your work product and show what you can do to get more work in legal nurse consulting. And so some nurses get a little uh, frustrated right off the bat because they can't just finish a course and then immediately get a job. It's a little bit more of of an effort that has to be put forward and the more you work, the more you work. And so, um, it's a business, right? It's a, it's a, it's a business model. Um, uh, mm -hmm. you, you need to do the legwork. You need to put in your time and, uh, to build your business. And you can, you can work in house and a lot of people do at a law firm. Okay. Uh, and some law firms do prefer, uh, a brand new nurse, uh, legal nurse consultant, um, because there may be a little cheaper. I would be a little, that might be a little bit of a red flag if they're looking for something that <laughs> that's brand new, but it's also sometimes a really good way to get experience. And yeah. um, I have also heard of, you know, scams in the industry that I like to warn nurses about because uh, I've heard of um, legal nurse consultants taking on mentors and having the new legal nurse pay them and they do the legal nurses work oh. and experience please, anybody listening, do not do that. Anything you're doing, you should be getting paid for, even if it's not, you know, the full rate 
that that sub you know that you're subcontracting for um, do not pay anyone to do their work um, that is a scam all right. Thank you so much. Uh, before uh, we sign up, first of all, thank you for your time. Thank you for sharing your expertise. Uh, before we sign off, anything else you want to share? Uh, I just want to thank you for having me on. You know, I uh, felt a little overwhelmed listening to your other guests. I know I'm not <laughs> as high in academia as any of them have been, um, but I think it's a really great path for nurses and a really great way to keep using their skills and knowledge that, you know, they don't have to start over in a whole new career. This is a way to just use everything in your head in another way. And uh, especially now with as many nurses, um, you know, having so much burnout and um, just exhaustion with, you know, the way this pandemic is just going on and on. We're so appreciative of people at the bedside, but I know people need a break. And, um, you know, to not feel as though they just need to quit nursing and get completely away from nursing as fast as they can. Stay in nursing and, and see what more you can do, you know, that your body will let you, you know, you should, you should recognize when you're burnt out. You should recognize when you need to try something new, but, um, you know, also recognize nursing is a really big place and there's room for all of us. There's room for people that are tired and want to try something different and maybe don't want to be on their feet all day. Uh, uh, and I hope that, uh, you know, there's someone listening to this that understands that and, and, and maybe try something new because of that. Well, I appreciate, I appreciate you sharing that. It's so true that, um, there's a lot for us to do out there. And I, I think one of the biggest disservices we do, uh, with, with the, with our young nurses is, uh, we don't share all the different opportunities that are out there. We just, concentrate on bedside. I mean, the bedside definitely has its place, uh, but there's so much more nursing nurses can do out there. And I wish we did, we did a better job uh, introducing that. Um, so thank you for your time. Thank you for your expertise. Uh, and uh, I look forward to uh, continuing to be connected with you and hopefully we'll, we'll, our paths will, will cross at some point. Um, we have been listening to the RM Mentor podcast with uh, Elizabeth Murray. Uh, thank you so much again for being here and we'll see you all soon. You've been listening to the RN Mentor with your host, Ali Tayeb. Please don't forget to visit www.aliartayeb.com. That's www.aliartayeb.com. T-A-Y-Y-E-B dot com for podcast notes and resources. And don't forget to subscribe. Until next time, I wish you fair winds and following seas.